You're listening to the Empowered Parent Podcast with Ryan and Kayla North, hosted by Chris Turner, a One Big Happy Home production. This podcast equips parents to empower their children and build healthy relationships throughout the home in order to see lasting change and thrive as a family. This is for families of all kinds, especially those who are parenting kids through adoption, foster care, kinship care, or in the process. This podcast is a trust-based, trauma-informed, connected parenting resource. To learn more, visit OneBigHappyHome.com. Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. Joining me once again are Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Let's see you've been practicing in front of the mirror. <laughs> Maybe well, he's you just know. happy to see us this week. <laughs> well, well, considering that we're all snowbound and trapped inside oh our homes, because um, you know, we don't real. deal with this on a normal basis here in the DFW area. We, we don't have the infrastructure to clear the roads. There's like one salt truck in the entire Metroplex. It's at the airport for the runways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't have snow plows. Yeah. Nothing. It, there's lots of, of time to practice lots of things. And it's not just like regular DFW snow, right? I mean, it's it's like legitimate out there. Yeah, this is uh, normally, you know, we, we'll get this once every... I don't know, four or five years kind of thing. And it'll yeah, be like we'll for get a, a day. little sprinkling. We'll get a little, you know, light dusting like, of snow. You can I, make like a snowball. The snow last ball. time I think was about five years ago. Because yep. our oldest and I were talking about that today. Because uh, at our old neighborhood was the last time that this really ha- happened. And he reminded me that I threw a snowball at my wife. Because we were all in the front yard throwing snowballs at each other. And it hit her camera. It made her drop her camera. Mm. Um, Oops. She luckily, it didn't hit, it didn't hit concrete. Luckily, luckily, she wasn't happy, <laughs> no, but, you know. But the camera's um, fine. <laughs> the camera's fine. And uh, one of our neighbors had, like, leftover uh, wood planks, floor planks, for when they redid their floors. And so the kids oh. used those as makeshift sleds because we had a, oh, a slight hilarious. little hill in the in the Greenbelt area of that neighborhood. And so they use that for sledding. And, yeah. So, Sounds like fun. But then it's that like a day or so later, we're done. And and now we're not going to be able to go anywhere for like a whole week. Like they're saying, like next Friday, because we're we're recording this on a Sunday. Yeah. And they're they're saying that you know nothing's going to be cleared up. We're getting more snow tonight and in the morning, and then it's going to be the kids be are really all happy. cold. It's yeah, going to be mean, really temp- cold on Tuesday here in DFW. Like temperatures fluctuating between single digits and teens. Right. Yeah. I mean that um, that's unheard of. And I mean, think about think about me who grew up basically in San Diego weather. Right, where, where where it gets so cold in the winter time, Chris. Sometimes people might put flip flops on to protect their feet outside. Right. It is that cold, <laughs> you know? I mean, Ka- Kayla knows she's been. I and mean, we you go to the beach in the winter time out there, and so yeah, yeah we were there in the winter, and it was beautiful. Actually, it was like, yeah, oh, this is winter. Yeah. I could handle winter like this. So, like, you yeah. know, then, and I'd never we're saw not snow. equipped for this cold. No. And I could psychologically, and, and I know they're like like listeners who live in like Minnesota and stuff who are just rolling their eyes like as they're listening to this. Yeah, but <laughs> in my defense, I cannot imagine leaving living in one of those places where. So if you guys are, oh. if you're listening to this and you live somewhere where it's snowy all the time, ooh, I can't even. Here's a shout imagine. out to my friend, to my, to my Twitter friend Adam, who lives in Wisconsin, who tweeted out this morning that when he woke up, the wind chill 
in western wisconsin was negative 34 oh wow that makes our negative six wind chill today not so bad we're okay (laughs) i think we're doing just fine yeah listen for the first 20 years of my life if if you if if you had to put like long pants on in the winter it was like it made the news dude (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so here I am, and, and, and so, you know, obviously I'd never seen snow before, and then, you know, the first time it snowed after we moved to Texas, I was all over it. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it, it's, it's proper snowy weather out there. There's, there's accumulation and all that kind of stuff. It looks just absolutely gorgeous with all the beautiful, you know, snow white snow out there. And the kids were just like, we had to go and tell them, like, you have to come in and, like, you know, have, like, a thaw break because we don't have any finger or toe issues here. Right. So you Seriously. had, like, you know, take your boots off and, you know, put your wet socks by the fireplace for 15 minutes kind of thing all day to day. And, like, Daddy, come outside. I'm like, okay. I walked no, from our front you. door <laughs> down this down a little, little walkway to the top of our driveway. Said, wow, it's cold out here. Turned around and went right back <laughs> in. <laughs> like, do you want to have a snowball fight? No, I, nope, I can't. Nope, that sounds nope. over that. Thanks, yep, though. Sorry. <laughs> Gotta go. Oh, my goodness. Yes, yeah, snowy weather. It's hilarious. You know, when you live in Texas, that is all, that's all anybody can talk about is when there is snow. That's all we right. talk about, right? <laughs> yep. But that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> it's no. Not, it's not our episode, right? It's not snowy weather. No, but, uh, you know, when you're trapped inside with your family because of the snowy weather, it can mm. lead to lots of uh, interesting behaviors on everyone's part. Uh, and, yes. You know, last time we, we talked about those challenging behaviors that are going to pop up from time to time in our children. And we, we kind of didn't really get much of a chance to, to finish that discussion in terms of what we can do about those challenging behaviors. So I thought that we yeah. could maybe kind of wrap that up this time around. Yeah, and I think last time we talked a lot. Largely involves a plan. Yeah, because I think last time we really talked about kind of in the moment, like, you know, some yeah. of the things that, that might be causing the behaviors, maybe looking at ourselves and what could be triggering us. And, and you know, we did that like HALT acronym where, you mm-hmm. know, you can, are they hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? But so much of those behaviors we can look at very proactively and we can be doing things ahead of time. We can come up with a plan um, of what we're going to do when behaviors happen, especially if you have kids that are violent or if you have kids that are really um, go on, maybe maybe rage for, you know, 30, 45 minutes, maybe even longer. Um, we have to have a plan in place of what are we going to do when that happens? Like... Who do I call? Where do my other kids go? How do I keep everybody safe? You know, those kinds of things. But then there's so many things we can do. Uh, I don't want to say preventatively, because then it sounds like if you do these things, you'll never have challenging behaviors at your house. But <laughs> proactively, I think, is really the word of like, what are those proactive steps that we can do to maybe limit um, challenging behaviors or to address needs before they become a big behavior, you know, to kind of watch for things and look at things, um, from kind of a proactive standpoint. Well, you know, we often invoke the, the Purvis quote of there's nothing special about what we're doing to remember the way our grandmothers did it. And we're trying to do it like that. Um, my grandmother used to say that an ounce of 
prevention is better than a pound of cure. We talked about that in the last episode because you two mocked my attempt to make that a metric <laughs> phrase. But yeah, it's it true. I mean, that's really what you're talking about, Kayla, because if we yeah. can catch it easy, I mean, there's all these there's all these little phrases um, that, that we have in, in the connected parenting universe, but they all mean the same thing. If you can catch it low, you have uh, increased your chances of helping get that behavior to the place you want it to be sooner rather than later. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of times, um, even, even before, you know, catching it low, you know, means like, you know, when we start to see a little sizzle, basically with the, you know, instead of a giant flame, we, we just all of a sudden we see a little spark or we see a little bit of smoke and we address it, but we can even back up further than that. And we can say, what is it that usually gets my kids, um, struggling, right? What are some, some things? Is it that they lack some skills? Cause oftentimes that's, that's what it, is the problem, right? Our kids lack some sort of a skill, mm-hmm. um, that we could teach them proactively. So maybe they, um, lack the communication skills that they need to be able to tell us. Now I don't mean like they don't know how to speak, right? I mean, we have a nonverbal child and we've had to do a lot of really, um, you know, creative things in order to get her to be able to communicate with us. But just kind of your, your average kiddo who has words when they're not in their downstairs brain, um, they have words, they can communicate. And if we can catch them before they go to their downstairs brain, can we teach them what to say in the moment? Can we teach them how to ask for what they need instead of show us what their behavior is what they need, you know? So sometimes it's, it's, um, you know, uh, one of our favorites, um, when our kids were little was kids that, that just couldn't accept no. Right. So in the moment, um, if you told them no to something, you know, if you said, no, you can't have whatever, whatever they asked for. And for some reason they couldn't have it. And you said no. And then they would completely melt down, start throwing things, yelling, screaming, whatever. And it was that word no, that would trigger them. So what we did proactively was we would play a game where we would actually teach them what to say or how to respond when they got a no to a question. So we would set out little pieces of candy. We've probably told this story before because I know I have, I have used this example a lot of times and you can definitely adapt it for other kids or older kids. And honestly, if we remember that our kids are, you know, chronologically a lot younger, this could really be for kids, you know, you know, even into their tweens, you know, Mm -hmm. you could play something like this, Um, but basically get three things. I I start, I think I probably start with five little pieces of candy. And for four of them, um, I would say, you know, so I would tell them, you're going to ask me for this piece of candy. And I might say yes, and I might say no. And if I say yes, you say thank you, and you can eat it. And if I say no, you say, okay, mommy, maybe later. And that was kind of our little script that we did and having that script and practicing it in a fun way where they got candy helped for in the moment when I had to say no, I could remind them, okay, mommy, maybe later. Mm -hmm. And I could remind them what I wanted them to say because we practiced it in a fun way. They were able to remember it. And so that kind of proactive, like playing games that teach skills. So that was teaching them how to accept no, but maybe we need to teach them a different skill. You know, we can play different games to teach different skills. 
Yeah, I mean, game playing is, is a really great one because you're having fun and the lesson's wrapped up in, in you having fun rather than, you know, I, I don't know about you, Chris, but the very little of, hey, let me sit you down and teach you a lesson here has actually taken root in, in the kiddos. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like we've, we've, we've helped them, we've mentored them, um, we've played games, we've tried to teach skills uh, in, in those ways because we know what the kiddos struggle with and just... You know, again, it, it's it's my old favorite example. The next time you tell a child to stop running in the house, and they stop running in the house, <laughs> you're getting a you're getting a trophy from your uncle Ryan because it's the first time that ever happened. Right. Yeah. You know. So so finding creative ways to teach skills um, is is uh, really really something that that we need need to do. Right. We. You know, I think sometimes how 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 if we let our kids stay stuck in their emotions too long. Um, then that's on us because we know that they need to come out of there, right? I mean, one of my favorite things in the the whole brain child is where they say, you know, th that you need to go over to the the right side of the child's brain and go and get them and, and bring them over mm -hmm. to the left. Uh, obviously, that's an insane level of paraphrasing, right? But that idea, <laughs> uh, that idea permeates everything we do. Connect first, then correct, right? I mean, Bruce Perry's three R's: like first you relate then you reason and just over and over this idea about the relationship being important and even when you're dealing with challenging behaviors being able to to, to um rest and to, to use a church sounding term to to rest in 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 that knowing that you've done the work but but yeah i mean it's back to that idea that kayla had earlier about we need to be proactive um, because we have to teach ahead of time. It's it's like we accept this in sports, right? The team goes to, to, to practice or training or whatever your particular sport calls calls it so that they yeah. can be prepared for game day or match day, again, depending on uh, whatever your particular sport <laughs> calls it. And the thing about sports and games, like Hale was talking about earlier, where you turn it into a game, uh, when you're engaging those portions of your kid's brain, it's lowering their defenses, right? Whatever behaviors are, are dry, or whatever needs rather, are driving those behaviors, that's lessened because they're more receptive to learning the lessons that we're trying to right. teach them, right? Because they're giggling, they're laughing, they're having fun. And when you're laughing and you're having fun, you're not on edge. You're not guard, as guarded as mm. your behaviors might make you normally. And so, yeah, like like both of you were saying, that's a great way to get those lessons that we're trying to teach them across. Because like you just said, Ryan, yeah, sitting them down with that stern little talking to you across the table, especially if they're still, you know, in downstairs brain land and not in upstairs brain land, uh, it's, yeah. not gonna, it's not going to help at all. I think I'm going to get a t-shirt well, made for Chris that says, I'm in downstairs brain land. <laughs> <laughs> That should definitely be on a T-shirt. Everybody goes, what does I'm writing, that mean? I'm writing that down. <laughs> well, I think, um, you know, it's funny because when we, when we talk to our kids um, in a way that's lecturing, mm. it's, you know, it's like Charlie Brown's teacher, right? You're nothing's, nothing's being heard. Right. Especially when they're in that downstairs brain land, as Chris said, um, because they they just they can't hear those words. They can't hear what we're saying. But if we can outside of the moment, if we can teach those, if we can, you know, be very proactive and even like it doesn't always have to be a game like it doesn't have to be, you know, 
I'm gonna, we're going to play this game every day so I can teach you this. Um, that helps. And honestly, I'm a huge fan of, you know, nurture groups because we're wrapping that skill teaching mm-hmm. with nurture. And so we're able to um, just really kind of in a way that makes our kids go, wow, they care about me. And almost like they don't even notice that there's skill building that's happening in there. Right. And so, you know, nurture groups are a fun, fun way to be able to teach those skills. And there's so many skills. So I was trying to think of like, what are the skills our kids are most often lacking um, Mm. whenever they are having a meltdown? So oftentimes they lack impulse control, Mm -hmm. um, maybe emotional vocabulary, um, like, you know, having the right words. So they say, I hate you. You're the worst mom in the whole world. And what they meant was, I'm really disappointed that plans changed because it was snowing outside. You know, like you said you were going to take me somewhere and you didn't take me. Well, instead of that, they say, you're the worst mom in the whole world. You never do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Right. And they don't right. have that emotional word to, to tell you what they're feeling. Um, that's they a real problem with, maybe, with our, when our kids are younger too, where they literally yeah. don't have the words sometimes because yeah. they haven't either, learned them yet. Or... Either just intellectually they're not caught up, or if their development has been stunted because of uh, you know past trauma. Even if we right. think they're old enough to be able to have those words, they may not have those words, and those those are those right. times we have to you know maybe hunt and peck to try to figure out what the right words that they need are. Well, and honestly, you know, what is it, babe, when we teach classes, it's the most common answer when we ask parents, how many emotional words do you use on a regular basis? It's what, like six to eight? I mean, it's yeah, like... It, it, it's around, it's around, it's, it's around six. It's actually, I yeah, think it's in the three to six range. Three to six, something like that. I mean, it's like, it's a really low number that even us as parents use on a regular basis. Because if you think mm. about it, like if you were to write down right now, how many emotion words you use on a regular basis, honestly, you know, it's like, I'm really frustrated. I'm really angry. I'm really sad. I'm really excited, you know, and you're like, and I got to four, you know, like those are the ones that I right off the top of my head. But how often do we use those disappointed or anxious or Mm -hmm. worried or, I mean, there's so many emotional words And so we have to, sometimes it's not a matter of our kids don't know them because of delays. It's more a matter of we haven't used them Mm. and our kid, we haven't modeled them for our kids even, you know? Well, I mean, that was a beautiful segue because the whole time you were talking, I was thinking, this is a modeling problem. Right, because yeah. Yeah. when we when we talk about about these these problem solving, um, these skills to develop, the skills we want to develop in our children are self regulation skills, right? I mean, that's yeah. ultimately the, what we want to develop in our children is self regulation skills. And we had an episode earlier this this calendar here in this season, where we talk about um, developing regulation in children. But if we want to develop that self regulation, we first have to have completely other dependent children, right? I mean, you talked about it again in the last episode, Chris. <clears throat> Uh, we, we tied, I forget exactly what, what we were talking about, the halt. You tied that back to the triage of the baby, yeah. right? Which, which is, which is uh, I, I mean, afterwards when we were done, and I didn't say this to you, I said to Kelly, that was like brilliant because that was like a, yeah, that makes perfect sense, but I'd never thought about that kind of moment when you said mm-hmm. that last time. And um, that's really what we want from, from, the, from, from our children is to help them develop these self-regulating skills. But are we prepared to do the work? Now, 
here, here, here's the challenge. If you want to develop impulse control in your children, you're probably going to have to display some impulse control. They're going to have to see it modeled. So when they are, uh, their behaviors are upsetting to you, you can't just flip out and yell. You have to be in control of your emotions, right? Mm -hmm. You can't just do whatever you want to. You have to model the right behavior. And, and we can talk for another 12 hours about how to develop these skills. But at the, at the heart of it, if we're not prepared to model the things for our kiddos, we're going to have very, very little success. Um, we're going to have very well, little success, number us. one. Yeah, but yeah. number two, then the second thing I want to say, Kayla, before, before I move on, is, is we also have to have a, sort of a basic understanding of neuroscience. Uh, because our frustration, back to that emotional vocabulary part, comes from the fact that we don't understand that an eight-year-old has very little impulse control because that part of their brain at work, at best, is like really, really lousy dial-up internet. Yeah. Right. It's not. It's not something that they're actively and 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 easily accessing. It's something that they really, really struggle with because of their development. And so that sounded weird. Their development uh, sounded. <laughs> it's very, very uh, enunciated. Uh, very enunciated. Um, but you know, what I'm saying that that we have to understand. Well, that's your typical kid. Yeah. What right? we're working with. You're not talking about a kid who's neuro neurotypical. You're talking about a neurotypical kid, not a kid who has. You know, some cognitive struggles or, you know, yeah. Developmental so, delays. Developmental delays. But I think, you know, so if that's a your neurotypical eight-year-old is struggling with impulse control, and so they're doing everything they can. So maybe they can have some impulse control when you go to the grocery store, but then when they get home, they've used up all their impulse control they can yeah. for the day, and they can't keep their hands to themselves. Um or maybe if we, you know, have a kid who, so if we have a kid who has developmental delays, maybe they have even just a fraction of what an average kid would be able to do, right? And so mm -hmm. we take them into the grocery store and they're grabbing everything off the shelf, shelf and they're throwing it all into the basket. And no matter how many times you tell them, they're still continuing to do that. Well, that's a kid that we need to be working on. Like we're not expecting perfection from our kids. We're not... And we can practice impulse control, right? I mean, we can practice um, before we go to the grocery store. We're going to practice what do we do when we're at the grocery store. And maybe we don't take our kids for the long grocery shopping trip where we're going to yeah. get all the groceries for the whole week. But we practice at home. Then we take them to the grocery store when we need to get three items. And we remind them we're going inside. We're getting three things. We're getting milk, bread, and eggs. Okay, help me remember milk, bread, and eggs. And we walk in and we go get those three things. And we don't stop and look at anything else. We have our own impulse control modeling happening. And then we walk out and then we praise them for how good they did, you know. But we have to start small and we have to practice before we even get there. We pretend we're at the grocery store and we go into the kitchen and we <laughs> say, okay, we're at the grocery store. We're going to get milk, bread, and eggs. Ready? I want you to help me, you know. And we do it in small little doses so that our kids can practice it. We don't just go... You are 10 years old and you should. I should not have to tell you every time we go into the grocery store to stop throwing things in the basket. Because you wouldn't do that to a four-year-old or a three-year-old. You would put them in the cart. But maybe you can't put your 10-year-old in the cart, you know? You know, you, maybe you can't sit them in there. So we have to we have to approach it in a different way. Yeah. We have to say, my kids need more from me than your typical 10-year-old. 
Your typical 12-year-old maybe could walk into the grocery store with you and have enough impulse control to get all the way through the grocery store if you had a short list of things. But your neuro your neuro-challenged kiddo, your kiddo with with, you know, delays is not going to be able to have that same impulse control and we can't expect it from them. Right. Yeah, I mean, we we can we can lap uh, all the skills to develop, and but we don't have time for that. And we can talk about empathy, yeah. right? Your ability to to see empathy, how yeah. your 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 um your actions are, are impacting other people. Well, again, that's 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 higher functioning of the prefrontal cortex, and so you can't expect that in young children. Um, you really shouldn't expect it in kids with trauma histories. And then the flip of that is, how are you modeling empathy? Right? How are you? Uh, showing your kids that you care about how they're feeling about things, that you care about how your actions imp- impacting them, mm-hmm. you know, because at, at the end of the day, Kayla and Chris, all we're really talking about is, is if our kids are frustrated and they have challenging behaviors born out of that frustration, well, we need to help them with some self-regulation skills and with some problem-solving skills because the convergence mm-hmm. of those two things leads to success, right? That's one plus one equals two. But here, here's the thing. Whenever our kids come to us and they're struggling, and us, I mean the collective. I don't just specifically mean us. Um, yeah. Well, something that we've really had to work on in our family is not just to to provide the solution for them, but to help them find the solution. Yeah. Because when we provide the solution to for give them, give it to them. Yeah. It's easier. Right? It's faster. We're done with it. We've checked mm-hmm. it off the list, but we haven't actually developed any problem-solving skills in them because we haven't developed it, and so. You know, sometimes yeah. in our home, it just takes a little bit longer to get to get across the finish line because we're talking in terms of how can we help you um, solve this problem instead of just giving you the answer. Yeah. You know, one of our kids is a big freezer. We've, we've talked about, you know, fight, flight, or freeze, and we've, we have a freezer. And so, you know, prompting questions work really great for him. So what do you think you need to do? Yep. And he may mm-hmm. stare at you for a few seconds, and then you could maybe prod him with, you know, one or two little suggestions, and then he'll start to figure it out. And then he's looking back at you saying, you know, was that right? And you give him some affirmation. Well, then what do you think yep. you need to do next? And, yep. you know, guide them along the process without totally giving them all the answers and let them, you know, build that confidence as they're making those decisions. Mm-hmm. Sounds groovy. Yeah. I think it's so important that we that we just help them build the skills they need in order to avoid a lot of the big behaviors that we find, right? I mean, if yep. we if we if we give them the skill set and doesn't mean that we're going to avoid every conflict and there's not going to be any challenging behaviors. But man, so many of our kids struggles that they have, the things that turn into these really big deals could be avoided if we took a little time to practice some skills and we don't have to do it every day. Just, yep. you know, a few times a week we, okay, my kid's really struggling and your kid may be struggling with 20 things. Don't pick 20 things, pick two things, right? There's two things that my kid's struggling with. And this week I'm going to be really proactive in making sure that we are practicing, um, how to do that skill so that they have the skill in the moment of struggle. Well, guys, I think that's a great place for us to wrap this one up, and we yep. can get into some more details in our next episode. 
And if you've got any questions for us that you might have thought of during the course of listening, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to shoot those over to us at info at onebighappyhome.com. We've also got a Facebook group just for podcast listeners. You can search for the Empowered Parent Podcast community and find that there. Though we do have a second Facebook group just for podcast listeners. And Kayla, how do they get into that group? So if you become one of our patrons, go to patreon.com slash empowered parent. You can, for as little as $5 a month, support our podcast, help keep episodes coming every week for you, um, and help us just be able to continue to do this and get these podcast episodes out. Um, We have different perks for different levels, but every level gets into our um, podcast group. Um, And it's a smaller group than our, so we have our big group, um, but the, for the Patreons, it's a smaller group. And so that way you actually get a little more, you can get a little more attention in that group. You can get a little more access to us in that group, but we've got all sorts of other perks. So some of our um, patrons get monthly coaching sessions, uh, monthly Q and A sessions, things like that. So. And if you're listening to this episode and you're not subscribing to the podcast, you can do that, well, pretty much from anywhere. We are on the Apple Podcast Store, the Google Podcast Store, and we're on Spotify, which I think covers all the major three places most people find podcasts. All you have to do is search for the Empowered Parent Podcast. And if you've enjoyed and gotten value from the show, we would love a review in any of those locations. Just go ahead and leave one, and Kayla will eventually find it. She loves uh, sharing those with me and Ryan on a regular basis, and we really appreciate hearing from you guys. And when we get reviews... Oh, sorry, Chris. No, that's okay. Go ahead. I was just going to say, when we get reviews, the great thing about that is the better, the more reviews we get, the more people can find us. So for those of you that have found that this has been really helpful for your family and you want other people to be able to hear about it, if you'll review it, then it gets us up on the charts and we get to places where where more people can see us. Right. The Empowered Parent Podcast is committed to helping parents of foster and adopted kids through connecting, correcting, and empowering principles. Thanks for listening.